Let me hear you say, hey, Miss Carter. Say, hey, Miss Carter. Give me some. You know, I could have not had a contract come in and six weeks and then I get one that makes up for the six weeks yeah. and so you never know what's around the corner because one email could like change your life yeah. <laughs> essentially right or, which is why the inbox refresh is thrilling and soul sucking <laughs> yeah. like I always say I look in my junk folder in case it's they're my big break <laughs> who so else true, checks though. their junk mail I do. do you check your junk mail <laughs> <laughs> just in case That's so, it's so bleak <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host, doing a quick intro for you. I, uh, I come at you this week and at a very exciting time in life. Beyonce's Homecoming came out last week, kept me going for days. If you want to hear more about that, I did a Patreon with my sister where we break down our favorite parts. I saw Countess Luann at the Chicago Theater on Saturday, which here's the thing. I support her wholeheartedly in her, her quest for sobriety. I think it like I can't I couldn't sell out, you know, an Arby's. So her uh, who am I to say that this show wasn't, you know, the, the caliber I'd hoped, but it's she actually can sing and she looked beautiful. She was confident as ever. But, you know, I was hoping for a surprised housewife guest. I was I was hoping for, you know, some more um, innovative musical stylings than fever which I'd argue, and this probably speaks volumes, I'd rather hear Dorit sing Fever to PK with Erica Jane dance mom half doing the blocking of the, you know, eight counts for her in the back. I, um, it, it, you know, get the tickets early, uh, get them cheap. It was a packed house. They were going for over 150 and I think it's worth it for $50 um, just to, you know, kind of be part of it. But, you know, it's eye-opening. It's eye-opening about what the people want. and. Um, Fortunately or unfortunately for Giovanni, for Luann, the entire time all the crowd did was heckle Giovanni, which is so funny that that was such like a big issue in storyline only to like have that be immortalized in any performance Luann will do for the rest of time. You know, it was a pleasantly drunk crowd, a pleasantly like-minded crowd, and I guess I'm relieved to know that they're, that Chicago is so Bravo strong, so housewife strong. I got to find these people and get them to listen to this podcast, you know? Tell a friend, please, if you can. So today we're changing up the format a bit. I've been doing, I want to do episodes every once in a while that are interviews with people that I think are interesting and have a lot to share and that are doing things in fields relevant to what we talk about on here. And I think it's so important for our conversations about social media, whether on the podcast, the Facebook group, or the kind of the commentary in my book. Um, I think it's interesting to lift the hood about what is really going on behind the influencers or under the influencer, as I like to call it. This episode, especially toward the second half, we kind of get into it talking about the struggles we're both having, being self-employed, stringing together income sources. She is incredibly honest and forthcoming about how bloggers make money, about how the industry has ebbed and flowed over time, about what it's like kind of cutting through the clutter these days, and about, you know, the the times good and bad and how just because it looks one way on your news feed, it doesn't mean that's the case behind the screen. And I also think we have an interesting dialogue about, you know, hate following as a person that I do it myself, but her on the other side can't understand it. We talk about how 
I assume everybody's like trips are comped when they're posting a lot about where they are and what they're doing. And she kind of explains what goes on behind travel. I just think that in a space that is by design, it requires you to have a facade, a level of aspiration to kind of put on a front and make you as a person into a brand. It's incredibly cool and brave of her to lift the hood, to tell us what really goes on. And whether through this interview or you should go back and listen to her podcast, Along for the Ride podcast, she really has an interesting perspective and is doing something nobody else is doing in her space, which is telling the truth, trying to help people with her story and allowing you in while her career evolves in real time. I think that so many people want to be bloggers or are fascinated by influencers. And just as I've always talked about, I get so frustrated when they get to this level of untouchable. But I'd argue Jess is doing the reverse and trying to reach out and use her influence to help her audience through the bad days to better understand their own mental health, to talk through elements of spirituality that have helped her over time. And to take a deeper dive into wellness so far beyond superficial self-care and like everybody's asking me about my skincare routine. And I don't know, I, I just respect people immensely that understand the responsibility of a platform, even when the platform itself is largely responsible for some of the harder times. But channeling that in a way that can help other people make yourself more relatable and make people realize that what's on the other side of the screen is uh, first and foremost a human and uh, a person that's trying to navigate this kind of newish career space the best they can. And beyond that, a person who's telling you, please don't use somebody like me as a means for the comparison game, as a reason to feel less about yourself because everybody has their stuff. But like I was talking about with Lindsay and Allie a couple weeks ago, Everybody telling you that they have their own struggles and stuff going on is one thing. Everybody tells you that. We all we all get that we're all human, but most people aren't going to tell you their stuff. And it's up to the person and their you know level of privacy and who it involves and whatever. But there's so much power in this level of transparency about what's going on in your life that makes people feel less alone. And what's so incredible about influencers and why they're so important to the current zeitgeist is that a celebrity, a Taylor Swift, she can tell me that she deals with anxiety and depression. And I'm like, oh, cool. Me too. But I, I, I can't relate to her whatsoever. But influencers are people that we all met from the ground up and grew with them from the ground up. So we can relate to them. They are like us. And I think that there's so much more depth to that connection you can have with people. So all that said, I hope you enjoy this interview. I'm proud of her for flipping the narrative and making influence into what she wants it to be instead of just following the trend of what it currently is. And yeah, let us know what you think. Follow at the be at be there in five podcast at be there in five F I V E on Instagram. Join our Facebook group, patreon.com slash be there in five to hear uh, our Beyonce recap. And then Kelly and I are I'm posting over the weekend, another kind of funny episode where we play different songs and I inadvertently cry quite a few times. Happy cry. Um, butterfly kisses type cry. You know what I mean? And uh, then tomorrow, actually, I'll be posting a reaction to whatever the hell it is Taylor Swift is doing today. I have absolutely no idea. Or tonight at midnight, 426. We'll see what predictions came true. At the end of the episode, I kind of do a quick recap of my TS7 theories. 
that I recorded previously. And I am aware at this point about this butterfly mural that says me exclamation point. I'm assuming that's the name of the single. Uh, and the butterfly wings apparently have clues in them about the song. I do not think it's necessarily about the album. I just think this song is kind of this like kitschy Lisa Frank vibe. But I talk more about that at the end. Hence why this is such a long episode. And lastly, I just want to be like so clear. You know, I feel like something I hear a lot when people that, you know, have eyes on them, whether influencers, bloggers, whatever, you know, talk about what's going on in their life. And, you know, it it's slightly negative or it's slightly self-deprecating. People are so quick to be like, you're whining, you're complaining, you're this, you're that. People are dying. I mean, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I try to be aware of that. And I think that maintaining perspective is so important. And I think acknowledging our privilege is so important. But what Jess and I tried to do here is record two friends talking who are both going through a difficult career time and just like go and not over edit it, just be perfectly candid. And I just never want anybody to think that we're coming from a place of complaining or not being grateful. It's just that a lot of, (coughs) excuse me, a lot of people glamorize being self-employed and kind of a more freelanced uh, schedule. And it's, you know, we're at a point where it's kind of wearing on us both. And we thought there was more value in being perfectly honest about how we feel about our own experience, not relative to anybody else, but just kind of the absolute value of our current state and talk through it. So I appreciate your understanding in advance. I am just so, I don't know. And I know I get mad when people acknowledge haters and, you know, let it be louder. But I don't like it when I'm trying to be honest and I'm called negative. So I just wanted to clarify between the two. I know life is good. TS7's coming out. I know I'm very lucky. I know that things always get better. There are always, always, always better days ahead. And you know I believe that more than anybody. But it doesn't mean that in real time. At the lower points, you don't need to talk out, sort out. And have a nice conversation with a good friend to kind of bring you back to life. So with that, I hope you enjoy this interview. I think it's great. Had so much fun. And I will talk to you toward the end of the episode. Hi, everybody. I'm here with my friend and blogger, Instagrammer, slash fellow podcaster, Jessica Sturdy. You might know her from Bows and Sequins, her blog that's been around for nine years. And like, I don't know, I'm what I think I'd call you a pioneer. And I don't know if you'd be comfortable with that. But like, in the blogging influencer realm, what was that? In 2010, 2011, Mm. there was no precedent. People were doing it for fun and to share. And I feel like you are one of the few bloggers I've followed over the years who legitimately has found success in kind of staying true to who they are. And you've had incredible partnerships. You speak at conferences. She's Launched her own clothing line at one point. I mean, you did a tequila ad over the summer, which is my personal dream. <laughs> Shout out on my rooftop. Um, and I am so excited to have her here because, you know, I love to talk about influencers and she is a real live one in the flesh. So welcome, <laughs> Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on your podcast. You were obviously a huge inspiration to me starting mine. So eight short months later, eight short months <laughs> later, you were finally like, you just need to set a date. <laughs> And work backwards. I was like, okay, fine. I don't know. It's funny because I met you once, uh, like two years ago and we went to drinks like one time in like the dead of winter. Yeah. At Willow room. At Willow room. 
And we had a great time. Yeah. But as with any like adult meetup, you like, you're like, that was fun. And then you like never talk again. Yeah. And then I don't know why. Why did we meet up a year later? Just like to be. I don't. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I guess a little more than a year because I want to say we met in like December of 2017, which if you've listened to my podcast was like my parents had like gotten, 2016 or yeah, 2016, like a month, a few weeks before I had mm-hmm. um, found out about like my parents getting divorced. And then a few weeks after broke my ankle and it was like, that's probably why I didn't leave my house and our friendship didn't really continue. You know <laughs> what? I, now that you say that when I was listening to your podcast, Jessica's podcast is called along for the ride, by the way, but we'll talk more about that. Um, in the, the episode where you kind of catch people up on the past few years, I was like, oh my God, I met you in the literal thick of like your most intense period of your life. And you, but you didn't even act phased, (laughs) which is kind of funny to me too. I had like no idea. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm probably like, what's blogging like? (laughs) Tell me everything. also what does that say about me? It makes me sound like I have like multiple personalities. (laughs) No way. I think like it's, you never know. Cause I think sometimes I get in really like overly deep conversations with people I just meet. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh God, like I'm a little too intense. Like Greg no, always I tells always me to work on party talk. Because I, I, <laughs> I just jump like right in. Yes. I met these two girls for the first time like a month or two ago. And within five minutes, we were talking about religion. <laughs> and I was like, how, like, what am I doing? And how does this always happen? But we had like actually a pretty good in-depth conversation because we both moved from New York. We both yeah. really kind of favor New York. Um, yeah, I remember like kind of being like, I wonder like why we never hang out. And I was like a little nervous to reach out because I'm like weird about adult friends. I just, you know, you never know yeah. if people like you. Well, I feel like we, you had just gotten engaged, right? And you were yeah. getting married like f- in five or six months. And I know we talked so much about working out and I was like, I'm going to text you. You're going to come to agree with That's me. That's right. But I probably never texted you because I had, you couldn't didn't. work out, <laughs> you know, like it was like, that was like our next step. And I was like, I probably didn't even think to text you like, Hey, sorry. I know I said we'd do this. I can't leave my house and I'm going through a huge (laughs) situation. Honestly, it was a stalemate because like I don't work out. (laughs) So it's probably like, yeah, if that's what I have to do, (laughs) I will go to a gym or whatever the hell it is. I think you're the only friend that I've ever not gone to a workout class with probably that I, and then a year later, I don't know why we met up again, but we had, um, I don't, I don't like, what I did don't we even talk about? We were there for it. like four hours. Yeah. That was like the first of our, yeah. And that was like probably the shortest dinner we've ever had. Um, and I think that we both were like, probably start, we started talking about how we were like struggling with what we were doing. Yeah. And I think that they're like, most of my friends have like normal nine to fives, uh, kind of romanticize the being self-employed entrepreneurial aspect. And it's very hard to complain when people feel like they're stuck and have to go to work and and they're like, Oh, you're, you have freedom, but like freedom comes at a price, comes at a price. And it's like, or a lack of a price. I should say. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Seriously. It's like, it's kind of like 49% of the time, the like ambiguity is consuming. And then 51% of the time it's exciting. But it's it's pretty close to even misery and joy. And I think that like nobody who people if you're not in that position, it's hard to explain. And I was feeling just like so down. And I think I hadn't heard myself say it until I talked to you about it because you were like, oh, no, 
that's normal <laughs> because you look at influencers and people on Instagram and you're like, they have it made. Yeah. And you've been doing this for so long. I mean, well, we should take a step back. So tell everybody like why you started Bows and Sequins, what it is. It's kind of like, you know, over time, what it's turned yeah. into. So I guess the Cliff Notes version, it was my senior year of college. I had always been pre-law, decided not to go to law school. And then I was like, well, now what? Because it's my senior year. And I knew that my interests with talking to family and friends kind of figured out like maybe style or fashion or something in that realm were my interests. But I didn't realize that that was like a career. So I was just researching jobs and I was like, oh, maybe I could be a buyer or a planner because it kind of like fuses like retail and fashion with finance, which is what mm-hmm. I majored in. Mm-hmm. So I randomly was like applying to like jobs at Kohl's and like, there's not much in the retail space like in corporate. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah corporate. <laughs> <laughs> Even though as we've talked about, there are days that I like daydream about being a cashier. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll talk about that later. I'm anyway, like trying to work at a Star Wars uh, convention. <laughs> I, was I may say not job application to work at a very popular fried chicken. Yeah, I was like, this is the most Instagrammable spot in Chicago. I was like, we've lost your damn mind if you say like popular spot like that. Only. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Whew. Okay. Um, so you're flying to Kohl's so corporate. To, like corporate jobs at Kohl's and came across a blogger who was like sharing her daily outfits on her blog. And she was in med school. She lived in Texas. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And then you see people commenting and I was introduced. All of a sudden it was like, I just like Narnia, like appeared in this whole other world that I knew nothing about and didn't know existed. And I was like, oh my God, this is cool. This would be such a good way for me to show my aesthetic and show my my point of view, mm-hmm. since my resume is like pre-law club business fraternity, like very boring, you know? Right. So kind of like that creative space. So I created it as a portfolio to get a job after college. And that's exactly what oh, I did. Oh, I didn't know that. Like in, in college and stuff, were people always commenting on your outfits and style and yeah. stuff? Okay. So with talking to my, one of my roommates, she had, her boyfriend was two years older. So she was like up for his Christmas parties in Chicago Um, while we were still in school and different like functions that he had and even like our formals and different like parties and stuff where we would get to get dressed up in college. I feel like I was always kind of that friend without realizing it, that they were shopping my closet or how do I accessorize Mm -hmm. this and helping them pick out things for whatever they had going on and family weddings and that kind of thing. So she's like, you know, you're really good at that. And I was like, yeah, but like, how do you work in that? You right. know, I had no idea. Like I grew up in a town of 3000 people. Like I showed cattle growing up, <laughs> you know, like it's That's like my favorite fun fact about you. <laughs> also trolled baton, like really? took line dancing lessons. Like what did I You're not do? That's real like, jack of all trades. <laughs> truly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up starting the blog to get a job after college. Um, I then worked for a personal stylist in Chicago again, like by happenstance, I went to a, this other blogger in Indiana who was like one of the like true pioneers, I would say, I don't actually know what she does now, but she wrote a book and her book signing was at the 900 shops at Julie Watson style, which is no longer there. 
Um, I was on the fifth floor and I got talking to them and I was like, are you guys hiring? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, um, can I job shadow? Like, are you, you know, I just didn't really take no for an answer. And they're like, I guess you can like come on Friday. Um, yeah, it's always like those, you look back and like, I'm not that bold now. Cause you get like, I don't know. I was just young and naive. And now, you know, bad responses. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But they're like, yeah, you can come on Friday. And then they asked me to come back the next week and keep coming back. So I worked, I basically interned without pay for like four months. Luckily I was like 21 and my parents were kind of like helping me pay my rent. And because they're, you know, to kind of get me on my feet Mm -hmm. of like figuring out what I wanted to do. And then I got hired. So I started in September. I got hired in January and then I ended up moving to New York that July and got a job in social media. But how I proved myself in social media, um, was because I'd like had this blog and like was growing it through, I mean, Instagram had like, I got it that year after school. So before that it was like Twitter, honestly, Mm -hmm. like how I would find other bloggers and commenting on their blogs. And I think just kind of was growing an online business as social media was on the rise and saw that that was like the best traffic driver. So it always kind of came a little bit inherently and companies were like, we need to do something with social media, but people who didn't understand it, you know, or didn't even like understand how to use Twitter. They were like just hiring these like young college kids or just out of college to like yeah. do this. So my first job in New York I was running the social media for like eight beauty and fragrance brands. It's just like wild. And had like, I reported directly into the owner, like the CEO, because there was no other vertical that I like really Mm -hmm. went under Mm -hmm. because people were like, what is this? Yeah. So it just, I was truly able to be like a pioneer, I guess, in that space. And then always kept doing my blog on the side. At that point I was taking on some like very small paid partnerships of people that would reach out because it was new at that time. And I was still doing my blog on the side while I was working at that first job. And I was at a blog event after work one day and for a jewelry company that their PR agency had put on and just got like talking with one of the girls, like one of the people from the brand. And I wasn't really like trying to leave my job. It was a very crazy company. Um, but I wasn't like really actively searching. I didn't have time to job search because in all of my free time, I was doing this other hobby and going to events and trying to network and grow that. Yeah. They offered, they emailed me the next day and offered that jewelry company and offered me a job. And I was like, uh, yeah, we can chat. Like it was so weird. Um, cause I had, you know, I'm like so weird about that kind of stuff. But like a few days before I literally said, I just wish like my next job would fall out of the sky. In yeah, front of me. it did. And it did. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's so interesting how people get jobs because I'm always curious because it seems impossible and you're like applying online and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it like it, it, it's it more often than not is just like showing up places having a conversation Conversation. and passing it's when they say it's so cliche obviously but when they say it's all about who you know that's not necessarily meaning like you have to have all these like family contacts and everything it's like you just have to put yourself out there and be open to like having Mm -hmm. conversations and not shutting your off shutting yourself off if you're going to a networking event 
as I tend to do, talk to my friends in the yeah. corner. <laughs> it's, well, in New York too, did you just want to go because it was like a fashion capital or because of that one job is why you went primarily? So I moved there without a job. Oh, I just I wanted to live in New York. Also ballsy. I know. I think I just like. <laughs> and you went didn't through a breakup too. So yeah, the guy I was dating at the end of college didn't I my senior year I had thought about you know when I was looking at fashion jobs and everything was in New York I was like and I had visited November of my senior year because my college was playing in a tournament out there Mm -hmm. so I was out there with my parents over Thanksgiving and fell in love with it it was my first time in New York and I felt like this gravitational pull and I was like I'm gonna live here I just Mm -hmm. knew I had that like internal feeling and that like December I remember talking with my boyfriend at the time and he worked for a big four accounting for accounting firm. And they obviously have an office in New York. And I was like, would you ever move out there? Like, I kind of want to like all these jobs I'm looking at. And he's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I think there's maybe more of a conversation, but he's like, not, it's not that kind of city type. I mean, he doesn't even live in Chicago. Now he lives in the suburbs. So, and that was just not me. And we ended up breaking up I think that I, and I only bring up the breakup because I think a lot of people have, make decisions out of like kind of extreme emotional moments in life. And I know I definitely have. And you, I feel like at a point you kind of have to channel the energy somewhere. Yeah. And I, I, people are always like, don't make drastic decisions after breakup, but I'm kind of like, Sometimes you should, because it, yeah. it gives you a propel. It's like you're propelled to do something that your normal self maybe would talk yourself out of. Yeah. But in like, maybe don't cut your hair, yeah. but like, you know, taking a career risk or don't a move or bangs. something. <laughs> don't get banks. Have you ever had banks? No. Me either. So no. then when did you, when did you quit your job to run the blog full time? How far in? February of 2015. So, so you were, you worked a normal job. For a solid five years. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of times when people are on the younger end and like mm-hmm. started in college, they think you've never had a job, totally. but you very much. Yeah. Like- so I started it in college, but nobody, I don't think at that time was making money from their blogs. So I can't imagine somebody telling me that in 2010. I feel like you're oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even like tell good friends of mine that I had this blog. Like, Oh yeah. That's a big roadblock. Oh yeah. It was still embarrassing. Beyond embarrassing. Because you're like, I think I'm stylish or interesting. You're like, it's kind of like having a podcast. It's like, totally. Yeah. It's not for people that know you. Exactly. (laughs) It's for strangers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, yeah, I, I definitely worked like a regular career and I think that that's helped me as a blogger or influencer or whatever you want to say. Um, I feel like when working with brands or even thinking about, you know, just even how I put myself out there, I've worked on the other side of it. I've been the person on the brand side. And so I think that, I, I mean, I know that that's why my last job hired me because I had a unique perspective because I was also a blogger and they wanted to work with bloggers and didn't know how. So from both sides, I feel like I've kind of been behind the curtain. That's great career advice in terms of like, if you're having trouble doing the thing you want to be doing, taking a job in an adjacent field, whether it's like the client or the vendor Mm -hmm. or the opposite is 
will make you so much more marketable because yeah. nobody knows all that matters is what's in the other person's head wherever there's like a currency exchange mm-hmm. and I, I do think a lot of people that go straight into influencing or have never had like a corporate job they like don't know how to email they don't know like even stuff like making spreadsheets and being organized and like presenting something in a proposal format like there's so many i don't know i mean i've could talk forever about the value of corporate experience before going out on your own. I think you're insane to be an entrepreneur straight out of college or oh. self-employed. So like, would you say around the time you quit was kind of like when things, when things were like pouring in or was that, were you still kind of building a little bit of both? It was consistent enough. I was sleeping maybe four hours a night, three hours a night. I'm such a like 150% or a 0% kind of person. And at work, I felt like I was giving 90%. And with my blog, I felt like I was giving like 70. And so I just felt like I sucked at everything, even though it was like high functioning, a feeling of failure, but I just couldn't keep doing it. I wasn't sleeping. I had no, I mean, I did have a social life in the sense of I was going to events and I was constantly like out socializing, but it was for work purposes. Then like the day after I quit, I got an email from my old coworker, but I still had my whatever few weeks to like finish out my employment there. I got from an old coworker, they needed like a consultant at their PR agency. So I did that for a few, four months. It's a great until bridge. I moved. Yeah, it was a great bridge. And then um, with the clothing line I started, I got that email like the day after that. That's crazy. Yeah. And I would have never been able to manage all of it. I couldn't manage all of it even without having a job. So I could have never done it while I was working still. So it was just kind of weird. It's like you have to create the space for things to come into your life. You really do. We have like the exact same story and we could have drove the same month of the same year. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we even figure it out like almost down to the to day? day, yeah. Like we only figured that out like a month ago. Because people, I'm glad you explained that because that's such a question that I get all the time is like, when do you know to do something full time and delete? Really and and it's really is never. But I think the only barometer is like, like you said, when you're doing two things poorly up for your standards and nothing well, and you feel like there's the opportunity is much greater at one and it's a huge risk. And a lot of times it won't work out. Yeah. But for me, it was almost like I couldn't take it anymore. Totally. And like, I was at my breaking, I was at my breaking point. And like, I think people want to hear you have some like epiphany about like, that's positive, but I actually think you just are working over capacity for too long. It wears on you. Yeah. And like, yeah, you need to create the space. And then, but cause if you do that for too long, nothing changes. And then you just resent both of your jobs. Yeah. And it's important to realize when that time comes. Yeah. But that, that, what was, so you were in New York, the majority of the time you lived there, you were full-time employed. Mm-hmm. You quit in February 2015. Yeah. When did you move to Chicago? End of February, July 1st. So I had Oh, I didn't March, realize you had April, such a small time May, in New York. In June. Time. Four months. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one of my favorite anecdotes about you is that you got evicted because you got sent too many packages. Like, the, people are, neighbors in the city are crazy, crazy. about packages. And I lived in, lived in these buildings, too. And... um like, I just can't, I can't believe that at one point the volume was so high. You just, you got so, kicked but, out. So the volume, the crazy part is the volume wasn't that high. So what really like happened, like the in-depth story, 
was, so there was a florist under my apartment building and you know, like you enter in next to yeah. it and they accepted our packages, which in New York is huge. Oh my God. Yeah. So around the same time, a girl in my building who was an owner, her package got, um, she like lost a package. The florist said that they signed it. It wasn't there. And so they stopped accepting packages for our building had nothing to do with me. However, then I went to, right after I left my job, one of my girlfriends was going to London and Paris, like five days in each. I, even though I just left my job, like was still going on this trip. And I talked to like the UPS guy and I was like, could you just set my packages in front of my door? I was only up one flight of stairs. And so I actually, what I should have been evicted for, (laughs) I gave our UPS man Cause I'd kind of become friendly with him in like yeah. the month or two that I was at home and I gave him our front door key. So not like to my, our, my uh, unit, but like to our front door oh. so he could get in and leave everyone's packages, yeah. not just mine. I'm doing a, you all a service, but right. So, but I was like, just so they're not like all in the hallway downstairs. I was trying to be like very yeah. respectful. I'm like, could you just like stack them? Like I'm gone for 10 days, including weekends. It was like a week and a half, you know, like one week I come home and there was maybe eight boxes, but like varying, varying sizes, but also like degree or a deodorant had also launched a like no white marks deodorant. And (laughs) speaking of like cool press mailers, it was this like wire hanger with deodorant hanging from it with a clear bag that's hanging on my knob of my like door handle. And I just remember walking up with my suitcase and I'm like, what the heck? And also some of these packages said like bows and sequins. And so shortly thereafter, which I got back like end of March from this trip. And I think that like my mental breakdown was like end of April. In that like month, two different people out of the eight other units in my building had like knocked on my door this one girl's like, I'm starting like a clothing line. And I saw, I Googled your bows and sequins off of a box and didn't know, like knocked on my door. It's like getting a pitch in person. It's like if somebody come came over to your door right now and you're like, "Uh, I never want my neighbors looking me up or knowing what I do. Yeah. But it's like, shoot me an email. You know, you can find, (laughs) you know, like I'm in my pajamas just enjoying my time in my home. And you're like knocking on my door to just like talk biz. Like I didn't sign up for this. That's a little bit weird. Yeah. And then another guy upstairs, he was looking for a job for his wife and was looking if I was hiring. And I was like, I didn't know if these were like my neighbors or random people. It was very weird. I felt like very attacked. Then there was also this situation of like hand deliveries coming to my apartment, whatever. So I ended up getting, I ended up getting evicted shortly after. And I think when they saw eight boxes in front of my door and it was right around the time that the florist florist stopped accepting our packages like yeah it was just like what does a person do when they get evicted (laughs) so i it wasn't it's not like a technical like eviction on my like record or something no um they they chose to not renew me as a tenant (laughs) so um That's well. And then so when you moved to Chicago, yeah, like you set your runway and you kind of took everything that came your way. 
which for like sponsors and ads and stuff, like absolutely. Um, but then did you get a point where you like, or you might still be doing this, like you like actively have to turn down partnerships, collabs, ads, and not necessarily because you don't like the product. Like, I, I think people want to know like how much of it is push versus pull. Like, are you getting offered stuff all the time? Or like how consistent is it? I don't know. Kind of all those things with like the work itself. I think the climate now is so different. Like if you're talking like in 2015, 2016, it's very different. But like now what's hard is, you know, something will come through and it's like not a fit. And Mm -hmm. when less things are coming through because the blogging and Instagram influencing worlds could not be more saturated, they you know, fees have gotten, have like gone way down, like Mm -hmm. from what you were getting paid for things in 2016, 2017 to what you're getting paid for things now. Interesting. Even though your following's growing and whatever else you're getting paid a lot less. And yeah, it's like now more than ever, I want to be saying yes to like, you know, it takes a lot more to be making the same amount. You have to do more partnerships or more sponsorships. Um, right. It's like a price or volume strategy. Yeah. When price goes down, you got to take on more. Yeah. However, there's, it's just an interesting time with all of that. And you know, the like campaigns that I used to be like taking on aren't coming through as much, you know, but like a sponsorship with a brand that's not quote unquote on brand for me comes through and it's very tempting. You're like looking at your bank account and looking at this offer and you're like, be really nice to have that money, but I'm not, you have to like remain true to yourself. Like I've made it this far, like nine Mm -hmm. years. So yeah, I'm not going to like start tarnishing that now. But what's so interesting is I think anybody, like when you need to make a living in that position, a lot of people would just take the deal, you know? And that's like a hard thing that's an example of kind of like being patient is like people think that like sponsored content and like collabs and stuff is selling out, but no selling out would be taking on brands and opportunities that have absolutely nothing to do with you or the brand. Like a lot of people do. And it's like pushing it anyway, like acne prone skincare or, um, shampoos that target hair loss. I thankfully don't, (laughs) have like thinning hair. That's like the one thing that I, the one issue I don't have. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, I have like friends that have like thinning hair. Like it's like such a problem for women. Um, and so I'm not trying to like make light of that by, no, I'm just laughing at somebody like pretending they have this condition that they don't have. Totally. And it's, (laughs) you know, um, I think an interesting thing is like I was joking with you like recently. So I would say in the past when things were coming through, like a lot more than they were now. And now it's like, well, I'm still selective. I feel like I'm in more of a position where I'm like, can I make this work rather than being like hard? No, I have enough. I have everything I need to support me. I'm like overflowing with partnerships and that's not really the case now, but So like this opportunity with Walmart came up and I, old me would have just looked at the brand, you know, um, 
but then actually like reading the brief, doing research about them. And it had just so happened that I had been hearing about Walmart on this podcast that I listened to and how they're trying to take on Amazon and then doing my research and how they have this partnership with Lord and Taylor and you can buy Lord and Taylor items on Walmart. And if Lord and Taylor were to email me, I would have said yes to that. And Hmm. going back and forth with the brand of how, how can I make this seem authentic to me? And like, also I grew up in it's not like I grew up in the city of Chicago where there was never a Walmart. And it, like, right. you know, oh, I grew yeah. up shopping at Walmart, Walmart a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, figuring out a way to make it work and, but still in my voice, you know, saying, I'm not being like, I have shopped at Walmart my whole life and I always buy my clothes at Walmart. It's not like that. It's saying like, this was a big shock to me too, that they have cute stuff, you know? And that's so true. And yes. that's the way that I'm positioning it. And People might still read it as being a sellout, but A, I'm trying to support myself and B, I wouldn't take, you know, there's plenty of stuff that I still do turn down, even in the most like dire of financial situations, you know, like last summer when I'm moving out of my apartment because keeping up with my rent when projects weren't coming in was getting to be too much and I'm just draining every account that I own, you know, and like cut moving to my hometown with the cows. Into like, you know, and I'm still saying no to certain partnerships. It wasn't like I was taking on everything. It was just like the things that I wanted to say yes to weren't coming in. What I also think is interesting about you is that um, as like the industry, if you will, shifted more to Instagram, like interfacing with your uh, readers, followers, whatever, has shifted to Instagram. I think you, you're more detailed area and primary area of communication is still your blog and like your loyal readers of the blog. Because I think when a lot of that was going on, you blogged about it, but people maybe didn't pick up on it from Instagram stories. And even when you were on remote year and like, we talk a decent amount, I was like reading your blog. Cause I think that's where you like articulate and like kind of open up about what you're going through. And I kind of love that you haven't lost the art of that because I think a lot of people have really completely separated from blogs altogether. Yeah, because it's interesting. So it used to be like I had the blog before Instagram. So I think that that kind of shaped my quote unquote business model, Mm -hmm. if you will. Whereas a lot of people who started maybe their blogs or just started in a time when you don't even have to have a blog, you can just do Instagram. Yeah. But I... I realized that, you know, writing was like my strong suit and being able to tell a story and you, you can't always do that on Instagram. And so it used to be like, you know, when Instagram first existed, my Instagram post every day would be to drive traffic to the blog. And while my stories are still like that, and sometimes my Instagram feed posts are too, I truly treat them like separate entities. They're two different things. Yeah. It's pretty true. much. And, and and that's what's tough too, is like where the money is and yeah. everything. It would make sense for most people to like cut their losses and not spend the time on the blog. But that's, that's actually what I enjoy doing. I don't enjoy Instagram. I mm-hmm. enjoy blogging at the end of the day. And I think that that's what we talk about, like, you know, parts of my career that I'm not like happy with. I feel like I have to do Instagram because that's like people see a hundred thousand followers and that's what they want to pay for. And it, I feel like, and I, I do enjoy Instagram stories, but you know, with the feed and making sure it looks right and like how many likes it gets and comments and that matters. Like you're being held accountable to that. 
from matters. the advertiser. Yeah, from the advertiser. The it's like they're controlling producing. my business almost. Yeah. Where like the blog, it's me. You know, like I can share whatever I want. I own it. At the end of the day, I don't own True. any of my content on Instagram, true. which is a scary thing for a content creator. Yeah, that's so true. So I own my website. I own everything on it and I can say whatever the heck I want. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting point because you find your niche and you have your audience on the blog. In, you said you treat Instagram differently. It kind of is like taking on a second mm-hmm. job. And I know you guys are all rolling your eyes, but like the um, level of consistency you have to have on stories in your feed to like stay at the top of people's feeds mm-hmm. to kind of be relevant still to have people feel like they know what you're up to, but not in a way that's, you know, too braggy or too negative or too like, you know, people demand a lot from the content that they're, you know, getting for free, essentially. And I think um, it's so it's I fall into funks all the time where I just like when you're not having fun with it, there's no point in doing it mm-hmm. because it comes across. And that's why, like you whenever you've been going through a hard time, your blog is still really strong because you like it. Yeah. And you'll like fall off the face of the earth on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I think like my first few years in business, I posted like maybe once every two months, I hugely resented Instagram because I felt like so much, I don't know. It's like, I feel like my engagement was low and my likes were low and that gave me anxiety. But the reality is I wasn't doing anything to like help it. Mm -hmm. And until I got on and stopped talking about rugs and I stopped (laughs) talking about myself and I started talking about the one thing I actually like in a Melverson, which is pop culture. That's when it like everything changed for me. Yeah. And, it, and I spent forever being like, well, those two things have nothing to do with each other. When at the end of the day, no one's putting that much thought into it. Just like do yeah. what you like. Yeah. And that comes across and, like nobody DM me saying it doesn't make sense why a rug maker would talk <laughs> about the Daily Mail. No one yeah. cares. And I just think that, yeah, you, uh, you really do have to lean into the thing that is more enjoyable for you because it, I don't know, it comes across like when I'm not having fun, I just don't story. I don't get on. I don't yeah. look. Yes, yeah, it's not doing anything for my life. And the few times I have, I'm like, oh, I'm, I sound like Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's so true. And I think that so many times, you know, when I was having a hard time and with whatever is going on in my personal life, and it's easy to sit behind a, co- a computer and write, it's like cathartic for me. And that's a release for me. And, you know, my eyes are probably swollen. I probably don't have makeup on. I'm not going to like sit there and Insta story, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not trying to like, go dormant on everyone either you know but I'm just sharing as much as I can at that time and it's like I I think sometimes you have to process stuff too Mm -hmm. yourself yeah so much of the time and I I don't know it's like if I'm gonna get on here there's no there's nothing else going on in my life like I'm thinking about this one thing so much and this is what I would be talking about but I actually haven't worked through the situation myself and I do think there's an element of self-care there where people are like, I'm real, I'm open, I'm transparent, I tell you what's going on, da, da, da. but I'm like, actually, sometimes you shouldn't. Like, I think people need to maintain the sanctity of their private life to like stay sane because when somebody starts to weigh in on your very deep and meaningful problem, mm-hmm. like a stranger, you know, says something, it like affects you yeah. and it bothers you. And like, I do think that separation is important at times. And like, And it's hard too when there's other people involved, like so much of what goes on in our personal lives involves other people, Mm -hmm. you know, hard times that I've had with friends, parents. And I know like my mom's friends follow me on Instagram, like 
you know, like oh, it, yeah. a lot of the things like I, that are weighing on me in my personal life at these different times, like can't really just get on and talk about to the general That's public. Probably my biggest problem is like, yeah, it's, it's not just about me and I can't really say a lot. And then if I'm being secretive, people are like, well, just tell us, you know, it's like, <laughs> no. I, I can't, you know, I know that's no, it's so true. And it, they're my experiences and I'm entitled totally. to share them, but I am terrified yeah. anytime I like allude to someone or something or whatever. And it does impede on me, like fully like living the truth or totally. expressing the truth sometimes. And that's, what's funny is like, you think you like, it's like, <laughs> it was a real world. You think, you know, but you have no idea. Yeah. Um, it kind of like, it feels like that sometimes I think, especially with us who are struggling with how to monetize our weird positions Mm -hmm. career-wise it's like I don't know people just think you're living a certain way yeah when you're kind of sometimes just like stringing together the hours yeah (laughs) but like what do you think is the most um like misunderstood thing about like being an influencer by trade or a blogger or whatever because it I wrote a book about that. Like, <laughs> admittedly, it's easy to trivialize. It's easy yeah. to act like it's not, it's not a conventional career. And until something has had enough time to be deemed conventional, it's e- very easily made fun of. Mm-hmm. I think we're on the cusp of being like, okay, these people are doing way better than any of us are doing. Clearly, a lot of people kill it doing this. And it's a very real career because it's social media, because it's Instagram. People are like, all you do is post. Mm-hmm. And it looks because all they do is post. You don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a funny thing where I've come around a lot. Like I used to feel that way until I got in the position where I needed to monetize some of my own properties. And I'm like, it's literally impossible to get the attention of brands. It's incredibly, it's a lot of pressure of metrics that you can't guarantee is, I mean, there's just, it's hard to say what like the biggest obstacle is. So I think that there's a few that are hard for different reasons. I think one of them is definitely being in like, yeah, I guess you just have to, I've learned that not everyone has to get it, but I think the hardest part sometimes in certain situations is that people don't understand it. And whether you're meeting somebody at a bar for the first time or having a conversation with whomever, they're like, so what do you do? And how do you make money doing that? Mm-hmm. Can you support yourself doing that? Would you meet anybody else on the street and ask them how much money they make a year or how they support themselves or how they can afford something? Like, no, but for some weird reason, everybody (laughs) feels entitled to know like exactly how we make money and how much money we make. And I'm trying to talk about that as openly and transparent as I can. People are obsessed with how influencers make money. Yeah. Um, And I I feel like I'm trying to be pretty transparent about that, but... Well, like even a brief breakdown. So it's affiliate fees, uh, sponsored content on the blog. Yeah. And do people even know what affiliate fees mean? So that when you click through a link on my blog or maybe a swipe up on Instagram, but even like that's so. Because it has to be in session. Yes. Um, So if you click through like a link on my blog and click over to something that's on sale on Nordstrom. So say it's a hundred dollars. They, their percentage for something on sale is 7%. So I'll make $7 from that, like a Uh small commission, depending on what it is. 
And and if it's a swipe up, just to clarify, in session, it means you would have to check out right then and there in the swipe up window when you're in the Instagram app, which literally never happens, never which is why happens. people shouldn't be crazy about affiliate links because uh, it's like the best case scenario, but it's not the common no. outcome. Um, <laughs> and same, like, you know, if you shop from like a like to know it app or something, I try to make it easy on my blog to like find the things that I'm wearing on Instagram to kind of marry those two. So it's easy to shop, but yes, I am making like affiliate commissions for that. But you know, like $7 isn't going to selling a pair of shoes, doesn't, (laughs) you know, like it, you have to be selling a lot of that. And so affiliates are definitely not like the bulk of that by any means. Um, and then sponsored content, both on the blog and then on Instagram. And a lot of times those are like mutually exclusive. Sometimes it can be um, just a story campaign on Instagram, like say when I've worked with like Poshmark and, you know, I've had my Poshmark account since like 2011 when they launched and I hosted some event for them in Chicago. You know, it's a brand that I like use and love. And they're like, will you promote this on stories? And I'm like, I already do promote it on stories. Cause I want to sell this stuff and get it out of my closet. So yes, I'll do this for like this very small few hundred dollar right. increment, you know, mm-hmm. or posting of on Instagram for whatever X flat fee posting on my blog for X flat mm-hmm. fee. And it, and I'm not just saying X because I don't want to tell you the number it's because it totally depends if a brand that's like, P and G reaches out to me and I know they have budget for days. They get charged a lot more than like an Etsy shop owner that I know that I really love the product and I want to support them, but I also need to be like compensated for my time and I'm doing something for like a tenth of what I would charge them. It just totally depends on what the product is, how much of a stretch it is, you know? Um, Well, and how much scale will be bent, like will benefit from the post. Exactly. I think people think, it's weird when you don't have a fixed rate, big or small company, but the reality is your content, the, how f- the legs it's going to have at a much larger company yeah. is a lot farther. It'll get used longer. It'll have a tail and you kind of have to charge accordingly too. Yeah. And so same with the blog, you know, like on Instagram, it's like a hundred thousand followers and you know, but not that many people are seeing your post and then your engagement rate plays a big deal. So people are like, you know, when, blogger or Instagrammers are asking you to like, like, and comment on their things. It's not because we like want to see a number ourselves. Like I don't pay attention to that most of the time, except when it's like a paid partnership, like it will affect if I ever work with that brand again, or if it's an agency that reps a lot of brands Mm -hmm. and that post doesn't perform well, that agency's not going to work with me Mm. ever again. So I have hives. <laughs> why I have like you wonder why I wear turtlenecks all the freaking time. It's because I'm constantly right. It's, like that's yeah. It's yeah. your because it's your wellspring. It's not like a fun thing. It's like it's actually your life. Yeah. You're living. Um, and where people don't want to engage with things just because it's sponsored. It's like well, I guess you're getting what you want. But at the end of the day, getting what you want. Like if there comes down to no sponsored content, like how am I going to make money to do this? I'm just going to not do it. And then you, I guess if your intention is to kick every influencer off of influencing, right. But if that's your goal, then I guess you're succeeding. But, um, if it's somebody that you enjoy following, whether it's their funny daily mail commentary, like support, just give their photo a like on whatever it might be, rent the rent, the runway or something like that, or think something you see is spawn con. Um, 
if you enjoy it's like the pizza analogy that I've told you before that yeah. like you know if there's olives on a slice of cheese pizza and you don't really like olives take the olives off and you've still got a slice of cheese pizza like you don't have to call in rage at the pizza place you can like modify yeah. it to your liking you don't have to like throw out the whole pizza you can just like kind of ignore these little things peppered on it take them off and you've still got like an enjoyable slice of pizza yes and i i love that analogy because um uh, whenever I like to talk about influencers and kind of that fine line between a follow to a hate follow to an unfollow. And I know how I feel about an influencer trajectory in terms of the difficulty that they're faced with when over time they get so big that they almost become unrelatable to the people that got them there. And there becomes a gap between you and your core audience. And then they start to resent you because they found you first and they got you there. And that's when I think a lot of people move into hate follow. Um, but the flip side of that is that you don't really always know what's going on. A, I think a lot of times people get in that space when they're like, you're so wealthy, you have everything. And now you're getting more. I think with some like the big bloggers that seem to be doing so well, and they have these like huge compound houses and it's kind of like, well, Jesus, like, do you really need to be doing this on top of it? But like, also to their defense they built that Mm -hmm. and like we don't consider instagram and in blogs to be like content consumption as you do netflix or television but the reality is with traditional media there's two revenue streams subscriber fees and advertising and if you're not if you are not going to subscribe to like a hulu or like even nbc.com if you don't put in your info they Spotify. give you way more ads. Yeah. Like you can either be ad free and pay a fee or you can have ads and have it be free. And that's like the business model for everything. But for some reason on Instagram, that kind of goes out the window and you forget that like, okay, on an individual level, is this person bringing me value day in and day out? Do I look at their outfits? Do I, uh, does their content do something for me that makes it okay that they're monetizing just my eyeballs. Nobody's like really even asking anything of you. And I think before when I get so frustrated, like, don't get me wrong. I have zero tolerance for people that go on the bachelor and do nothing and come out with a million followers and just sell us stuff nonstop and aren't adding value. All I ask for is value. All I ask for is either bringing something unique to the table or like elevating it to where it's not so vapid and just a sales pitch. Like, I do think it's important to constantly be reinventing how you can leave people better off walking away from your story or your post and not being worse off. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, if you think that it's if you think that the person posting the spawn con isn't also cringing at themselves, you're <laughs> sorely mistaken. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think there's a lack of self-awareness, but there is a lot of self-awareness. Well, I think it also it depends too. There's, there is a lack of self-awareness with some things. Oh, it's, for, yeah. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to, sometimes I like to be frank. There are so many bloggers that I really love their content. I respect their hustle, you know, bloggers that I'm friends with. I enjoy reading. There aren't that many. I'd say I maybe follow for sure less than 30 bloggers of newsletters. I get, um, Stories that I actually like go and watch. I'm yeah, I follow probably like a thousand on Instagram, but I don't even see their stuff. But 
Yeah. I mean, if there's like a lack of self-awareness or you like, you're not resonating with that. Yeah. Just unfollow, make it better on everyone else. Like I don't understand this hate follow culture. Really? Yeah. Um, I know it can be like enticing to be like, oh my God, what are they going to do next? It's almost, but I also, I'm not like a, besides the Kardashians. Well, now I don't even have cable, so I don't watch TV at all. (laughs) But, um, like I, you know, I think a lot of like with these reality TV people that were like watching and commenting on those people are making a lot of money doing what they're doing. And I, yes, a lot of these bloggers, millions of followers that kind of have like a lack of self-awareness, it appears at times. And you're like cringing, watching their stories. Like this is coming off really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's weird too. I guess you get to a point where you almost like the influencer gets so big that they almost like switch over to this celebrity ish culture where it's exactly. okay to kind of like hate follow. And then they're like surrounded by like designer bags and like shopping at these places we'd never dream of yeah. shopping. And then people grow or like a little bit bitter. They're kind of like, did you forget? Yeah. You know, and I think especially somebody like you, I think if I were you and I'm not projecting this on you, if I were you, what would frustrate me is that I started from like a sincere place of sharing. Mm-hmm. And it really was just about like, this is my taste and aesthetic and unique point of view. And this is a really great medium to express yourself. And it kind of organically started to become a thing you could monetize. And it was unprecedented. So you just kind of like rode the wave. Mm -hmm. And now people are starting blogs to fit into something that already exists and trying too hard to do what everyone else is doing. That's why like, and it comes across as super fake, super self-unaware, super cringy. And it it almost cheapens the thing that you worked really hard to build. 100%. And especially now, you know, like I'm, I was saying that like rates are so much lower. Like it's very interesting because you, there is no like standard and you don't know what other people are charging and stuff like that. But nowadays, like if a brand comes to me and they're like, we'll offer you $500 for this. And I'm like, I've, these are just like fake numbers, but I've like, I've literally never in the nine years I've been doing this charged less than a thousand for this. Yeah. And this is half of like the lowest of low that I'd ever consider. They'll be like, okay, well I can just move on because there's a hundred other girls yes. that have started their blog like this year that are dying to have that first like $500 check. And so you're just like, no, I, I just think it's interesting. Like, um, I, 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 there, a, that there's so much more that goes into it beyond just like a casual post. Like you have to hire a photographer, you have to style yourself, you have to change your clothes, you have yeah, to edit sure. your photos, you have to write and the copy. Pay taxes on to that. pay taxes. So if, I, like, <laughs> if I charge, if I accept $500 for something, I'm maybe making 75. Right. Like people don't think there's overhead. I don't know. It, it's funny because I do actually still hate follow and I have no real defense other than that. I, I like celebrities and I like pop culture and I think major influencers are the new celebrity. And I think that they aren't, um, but they don't fit the mold of one. And that's why I won't go after them personally. Like I would a Kardashian because they are real people who didn't really get into this always for the fame, but they found themselves in a famous position. I think I like sociologically am obsessed with the idea of people not realizing that not that like, I, I know there's an element of like, culture today where like the politically correctness like the woke aspect of it all like it's hard to please everybody and a lot of the more vocal people on instagram are the ones that are like hyper concerned with being you know evenly representing and evenly speaking to people all the time 
do I think you can show off your like Chanel purse? Like, yeah, of course you're, you're not, don't pretend you're someone you're not. Don't pretend you make less than you do. But when there's an element of like, do you realize 99% of the people that follow you do not live like this and it's incredibly off putting and it's incredibly discouraging and it's, 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 you know, kind of sucking more from people than it is adding to them. That's why I'm obsessed with following it. Cause I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, I can't explain it. And should I unfollow? Probably, but I actually quite like it. So I can't even call it a hate follow. It's, it's like a it's voyeur, it's voyeuristic. It's entertainment. And that's why I think it's so interesting. And is, that is the value that you're receiving from exactly. them. And people need to, I think sometimes people forget about the entertainment value. Exactly. Like I love Mormon mommy bloggers. I don't, even though sometimes I'll cringe at the way it's done. I actually won't complain about SpawnCon at all because they are bringing me something to my day because it's like dishy. It's juicy. I'm like, oh my God, like, can you believe so-and-so is doing this? And I'm talking about them like they're a celebrity and that to me is valuable. Yeah. So whether you decide to go like the really lean into that side of you or you try to be more balanced, I now think that there's an era of people pioneering what it means to be a mega influencer. I think that the, (laughs) I think that the people who are trying to navigate what to do with like serious influencer fame is kind of an interesting realm. Yeah. And you know, I think separating the mega influencers from the, and I don't know, it's sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes I like cringe. Even, I don't think I've ever said like, I'm, I'm a blogger inf- yeah. or I'm an influencer without vomiting. I was going to ask you how you feel about that word. And I was like debating whether or not I introduce you as one. Cause the reality is you are, you post like combat boots and like 5,000 people buy them, but it's uncomfortable to say about yourself yeah. and it's a word people hate. And it's weird. So when, when bloggers like were called bloggers, I remember being like, Oh, you're just a blogger because at the time that was, you know, at the beginning in New York and like editors hated bloggers because they're like changing the landscape and all of that kind of thing. And yeah, it was like being a like blogger fashion week, was like a four style. letter word mm-hmm. at times. And I would then when influencer came around, it almost seemed like a more like professional way to like talk about what you're doing until then it became like a very cringeworthy word and everyone's an influencer and now I don't even know what to say. Like, I think my Instagram right. bio says content creator because I create content on a podcast, a blog, an Instagram, but like that even, what, what the hell does that even mean? Like, it's just, it's, it, that's what I mean. You're in I an impossible situation where everyone is going to have such an opinion because what you're doing is still relatively new, you know, compared to the, the rest of the world. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, marketing departments at brands now have an entire influencer relations like sector. Yeah. And that's what it is. And that's what it's called. And you can rage against it. Or we can all just like accept that it's a new means of marketing. Because the reality is, it's the best way to get a critical mass of people aware of your brand and aware of your launch and aware of what you're doing. My book would be nothing without influencers. I would be nothing without influencers. I've never paid a dime for advertising for anything I've ever created. So that's why I think like, it's while I'm such a critic, I also am such a participant and a benefit, like a beneficiary of it that I have to be self-aware about. It would be incredibly self-unaware for me to be like, you know, annoyed with and thinking that influencers bring no value because they, the reality is my, I owe my career to them. Yeah. And I think that that's like a whole nother part of 
the hard, the hardest part of my job, I would say on a day to day basis, you know, there's the people that like, don't take it seriously, but I've gotten to the point where it's like, you don't have to get it. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. And I think we both lie about what we do at bars. Oh, a hundred percent. I do <laughs> ad sales at Pandora. If you were, if you were That's hilarious. I own a small home decor I... company, <laughs> interior design. Love it. No one gives a shit. Uh, they're like, cool. Ghost chairs. Yeah. Move it's on. like, you say you do ad sales. Like, oh, cool. Right. Like, move on. You say that like, oh, I, I write a blog or I'd even say I'm a writer and people are like, well, what do you write? Like, I just like to stop the question stop there. It. It's not a fun conversation when I feel like I'm being interviewed. Or you're monopolizing. Yeah. Because it takes so much explanation. Yeah. The other thing, like, and I know, I know I'm like, we're going to record your podcast too, so you can listen to both parts of this. I wanted to ask you about, um, I think one arena where people are fascinated is travel. Okay. Getting comped for rooms or getting invited or paid to go somewhere. Like if you have an example of what it's really like that you're comfortable sharing, I think that's like interesting and helpful yeah. to people because it looks so glam. I ordered us um, kale salads. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> I wondered who you were buzzing in. Um, okay. So I guess one of the examples that I feel comfortable sharing, because I think it speaks to what actually happens is um so back in um I, I I don't remember what year this was but I for a brand like a hotel brand that I had worked with previously they launched a new property down in Mexico and they invited us down and we went and it was for their grand opening but they had been open a few months to kind of get the kinks out and I went with the intentions or probably a contract was signed or, you know, like agreed upon via email, the deliverables, I was going to share Instagrams while I was there and do a blog post after sharing the property. And I, having worked with the brand before, thought that there would be like no question that the, I would have an issue with the property. But however, we had such a, the food was terrible. It was an all-inclusive place. The food was terrible. Um, the service wasn't that great. There was just like, I felt if I were to do a blog post and tell people, you know, when it comes, it's not like you're just buying a $30 eye cream and it just doesn't work for you, you know? And also everybody's bodies and skins types like react differently to different stuff. But for travel, I would like to say that, I don't know, like you have, you have a certain taste and, and with, um, I just would not be able to sleep at night if I knew that people, when you only get, you know, two to four weeks off per year, you are spending your vacation time and your money for a vacation on a property that I have recommended and I had a terrible time at. I would truly would not be able to sleep at night. And it was the most awkward thing I've ever had to do. But I, after it, had to be like, and thankfully somebody from the brand was there to know how things bad were just going bad. And honestly, I don't know, you know, I try to like, they were having this crazy opening party. And so there was scaffolding all over. So the view wasn't even good. It was like all these things that had, they just invited us down and just to be like regular guests so you can get more of a feel. But, and that was the other thing. It's like, they're having these fire dancers and they wanted us to like post about that. And it's like, if somebody can't come here and replicate the exact trip that I'm having, what's the point of sharing it? Because I'm not doing it in this like brag, look at me way. I'm sharing it as like, this is a 
I recommend this place to go on vacation, and I don't take that lightly. That's so interesting and, I had to and go- ethical of you. <laughs> well, because you're right. I hate that when my like I I don't have enough money to frivolously travel. Oh my god! And no if one something does. doesn't meet my expectations, or the TripAdvisor photos, which well, like eighty pr- <laughs> TripAdvisor, it's like people. It, it's and just it's say, it's drains. All all people take photos of is the drain and the sink. <laughs> yeah, and but people use only say it when it's wrong. But also, you have to think of, you know, if you're fo- used to following a certain person for their recommendations, and then they, you, so then you're looking at TripAdvisor, and it was like the best meal I've ever had in Italy, and then I'm going there. I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> this is the worst food I've ever yeah. had. I've had better pasta at Olive Garden, and. So you've just, you don't know who's on the other side of these trip advisors. The people who go, it's like top rated on trip advisor. That is a sign for me to stay the far. That's interesting. F away. I will, there's, there's a sweet spot and people always ask me how I find spot spots. I will look it up. I'll find it somehow. And I will not go somewhere if it has like more than 200 reviews on trip advisor. Like okay. I want to find interesting on the walls. I want to find gems. Cause that's like a aspect, like a hallmark of your personality and of your blog and life that we didn't touch on is like for a solid two years, you pretty much went all over the world and traveled on my on own, your own dime. dime. <laughs> and that's what I think people don't understand is like, so what, what part of like when, okay, you go to Australia cause you want to yeah. see it. Do you reach out to restaurants, hotels, whatever, and say like, Hey, I have yeah. this. I can bring this value to yes. you. Okay. For most trips I've been on, I've reached out. The times where it's actually resulted in something being given at a discount or a free rate is probably less than 10%. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. So like because every meal and hotel in Australia wasn't like free comped. Nothing was comped. Well, that's what's so insane. It's well, like, actually people think that I so thought that. And, um, Maybe two nights at one hotel in Sydney were free. I was there for three weeks, mind you. So <laughs> this is not, um, but we either got a media rate, which is a discounted rate per night in exchange for sharing. I've never heard of that. That's very interesting. Um, or maybe like two of the five nights we were staying there were comped. So out of the 23 nights we were there, maybe two were free. So you, did no not, meals. you did not make money on off. You did not like net positive. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> like our like the crazy helicopter excursion over the Barrier Reef. That was like seven hundred and fifty dollars a person that we paid for. Okay, like that's interesting. Like I literally thought that entire trip was paid for, but no. like you're but you're never going to be like. Just so you know, guys, I'm paying for this myself. <laughs> I just feel you like assume. it goes without saying, but it doesn't. Like, that's why people like me resent influencers because we think your life is free. It's not. Like, that's interesting to me. Well, or like an example, too, of um, like a paid trip. And um, I think like uh, you did like a, a collab with a brand who sent you to Italy. Oh, but yeah. when you actually break down the logistics of the trip, it's the least glamorous thing. Oh, it was the. It was the worst trip I've ever been on in my whole life. Uh, not just from that, just not but has my, nothing to do with the brand. Just like, uh, it was the worst partnership I've ever done in my okay. whole life. I will say that. Um, it's with the credit card company and like a housing company, and it it was like smoke and mirrors. It, it, the contract kept changing. I was there. 
I, but I never shared anything from that trip because I couldn't. I couldn't post while I was there. I had to like all content had to be approved. So that's what's weird too. So did, were you there for less happened. than seventy two hours? Le- less than that. Uh, and you had to fly your photographer. Mm-hmm. You're there for less than three days. Like theoretically, it could. I mean, I, the content sharing aspect was like vague of that deal. But like that's what I think is wild. Is like so traveling like a isn't always glamorous a lot of times it really isn't great and it's uh wears on you but also that was like such a unique trip and the fact of all like because I feel like nobody even ever knew that I was in Italy in no ju- nobody in did but like how weird is it that like I you weren't allowed to tell people you were there yeah but that like also <laughs> I found out about then like the day before and it was like one of those situations where you're a blogger or an influencer and like I don't have a manager I don't have a lawyer on staff right or even like a family friend that's a lawyer that can like push back in these situations and I was just purely getting like I don't yanked know. Yanked around. Yeah, yanked around. I was like, how do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I was a teacher. <laughs> um, no, totally. I just think that was like behind the scenes things are funny because we talk about like, early, you know, when I had the newspaper article and I was like, I had, I put a peanut on my phone so my dog would look at the camera and I set up a tripod and that was like my big spread and it looks like a photographer took it. Even at your level, which I think you're incredibly successful and you have like a follower and audience base that a lot of people like really try so hard to even get to. But even you, I'm sure sometimes like, how do you have so many assistants? Like, how do you have people work? I mean, I think that that's an important thing to remember is that at every stage of the game, you're always looking at other people with like a big question mark. It totally. And it's, I, we talked about this when we were like getting drinks last week, like randomly about how, you know, people look at me and be like, Oh my God, you have a hundred thousand followers. But like how you said I was a pioneer in this industry of like, I used to host, I hosted an event at DKNY with Ariel Charnas from really? something Navy. She's like so hot. We right were now. co-hosts. And like, I look at other people that had started their blogs around the same time as me and I'm the worst <laughs> of all of them. So like, I have a view of like, kind of me other doormat makers. <laughs> They're like crushing it. And I like, no, that's so, I mean, but I think it goes to show you probably, there's a small part of you that maybe held back or didn't do things or didn't like go, you know, balls to the wall for lack of a better phrase. Because you probably want to do other things and want to diversify. And I think sometimes the people who really double down in a niche or in the thing go pretty far. But, and I also think it, the whole part of like Ariel's talked about or Ariel or however you say her name, she has talked about how one of the founders of DBA, which is now bought by like Universal Talent or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. They just had a big acquisition. Um, one of the founders reached out to her before she was ever even managing talent and was like, I can like make this your career. It's like, look at like a star is born, right? So many times behind these mega influencers that look like they're just like sharing their life. There is a manager or an agent like behind them that is shaping their career. There's a difference. People don't realize that they have managers, like serious managers. Managers that are getting these big deals for them, getting them the press, getting them all that, like, yeah. It's like any other brand or marketing machine. You're not being manipulated, but a person is being positioned to you pretty strategically. And you're hearing about them all the time for a reason. 
not because they're just organically sharing their life and like coming to you through Instagram stories. Yeah. And they know people, (laughs) other brands like to get them these like strategic partnerships and know what everyone else is because they're repping all of these influencers. They know what everyone else is charging. They can like have more of a backbone to stand on. I'm like Jessica in Illinois, you know, (laughs) like, right. It, it's just, it's so sometimes it's unfair. I think why I hate it's, it's twofold, right? It's like, I just feel like I'm not on the same playing field as some of these other people. And then some of these other people that like are starting these blogs and emailing, like, have you seen all those articles about that hotel? That's like, we won't work with influencers yeah. because the those amount of get people so picked up um, and blown out of proportion. Totally. And it, but it's so true for my friends that do work brand side, like Kelly on my podcast, I think it was episode four who worked at the Langham in Chicago, which is like the best hotel the best in hotels, the U S yeah. and the amount of people that would email her that have like 5,000 followers on Instagram and are asking for their presidential suite for the weekend that like Beyonce comes for and pays for, you know, it's mm-hmm. like Beyonce is not staying there for free. It's like, which is so like secondhand embarrassing. Yeah. And so the, when I reach out to like, I reach out for a lot of trips I go on or tend to be like more last minute and I have enough things going on that it's like trying to like email a million hotels. The amount of times, even when I used to go to LA a lot that I would try to get a free hotel room and have not succeeded a single time, <laughs> like yeah. for one night at like a $150 rate, it's like, okay, well, yep, I guess I'll just like buy it myself. Like that they are, have no interest in working with people because they get inundated with requests. Because um, <laughs> everybody thinks that everyone's traveling for free, and realistically, it's a very small percentage. Um, if we're tagging a hotel when we're there, I want them to repost my content. I want them to notice me and send a free champagne bottle up to the room or like something. Yes. Or if I'm enjoying the hotel, I want to be able to share it for somebody else. Right. So what people don't realize is like there's more in it for you. Like, or it's not about promoting them. It's about like sometimes like, you want to be promoted just as much or if you're paying a lot what the irony is you're posting about them for free and you're paying a lot to stay there so they're like weirdly getting this incremental free press so it's like the least they could do is you know throw you a glass of wine a dinner tab somewhere but even that's impossible truly i i was people running their counter not the people in the hotel and with time zones by the time it actually yeah it never (laughs) works and then people just think you're living the lap of luxury when really you're paying a freaking fortune for these boutique hotels um but anyways it just made me laugh of like you think you have it made in the shade people think like oh i just want ten thousand followers for a swipe up I just want to hit like the 25k mark. I just did it a micro versus macro influencers, whatever. But the reality is it's all relative to the crowd you're in, your reference group. And whereas some people will be like, like, my goal is to not lose followers anymore. Just to not lose them. It's like at this point, right. It's so hard to make, get them. I just want to stay where I'm at. You just got to stay where you're at. And like, that's. And a, a really difficult game at times because pe- you're competing with everybody's attention. Yeah. And it's sad. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It's, you never want to come across as complaining. Cause no, people never. Like, are like, Oh, you know, whatever. It's like, you can be proud of where you've been and like st- hold strong in what you've got and what you know is uniquely yours, but still 
admit that you're a, just as much of a victim of the comparison game as anybody oh, yeah. else. And you just as you struggled just as much with like getting freelance and ad hoc work as anybody else. And um, I don't know. I just think you're one of the few people that are honest about it. And I think there's a kind of a, a field of thinking that um, it's a fake it till you make it. Like if you tell people you're really successful and you've got all these things, you will be and like, yeah, maybe. And like, I get DMS all the time. That's like, stop being so self-deprecating. Like, no, if you didn't say that people won't sponsor you, nobody would know. But I'm like, well, what is that doing? Yeah. Like, why do I care to live some like smoke and mirrors life? Yeah. Like I got this scathing DM after I was like, Hey, Taheen been trying to reach out for two years. Like I just want a salt brand to like, send me a bottle. I, I, I want like a rimmer. Like I just, it's, it's literally a $6 cash value and I cannot get their attention. And it's like, just, it's almost become a joke if you followed me for a while, but this person's like, if I were a brand, I wouldn't sponsor you because you're so like, you seem so desperate and like, and that's, what's like funny. It's also that person clearly doesn't work brand side and so many of the times that I like the conversation that Kelly and I had on my podcast about you kind of wonder about um, the people that are running these brands because having worked brand side people that are using your product in the wild that have already bought it that do have a platform they are the best people you can be working with you're not trying to sell your brand yes. to anybody so that when people don't pick up on this i'm like either you don't know how to work with influencers you're not doing you don't under you, i guess we just have i'm not going to say you don't understand you we have different opinions but like it really seems that it's a missed opportunity for you and your brand and it, or is like nobody checking this? Like, what is your social media strategy? Like having work brand side when I'm like so desperately trying to get the attention of a brand and I have something very valuable to right. offer somebody yeah. at the end of the day. And they're just like, leave it, leave me on red. You right. know, I'm like, all right. Uh, yeah. So, so I don't know. I just, I think it's an, it's much more dynamic and complicated than people think. And, um, I like that you brought up SEO and stuff too, because like there's a huge entrepreneurial and self-driven aspect of succeeding in digital, whether it's in photo editing, whether it's in captions, whether it's in SEO, whether it's in, you know, conversion, like making it online and on a website is like a career that most bloggers have done themselves, but it's now a thing that people make a lot of money for in consulting. Yeah. I mean, like you can't dismiss the success of somebody's blog, given how easy it is to get lost on the Internet Mm -hmm. and thinking of what people pay people to be on the first page of Google or how much people pay social media managers. If you think it's easy to be an influencer or blog or whatever, then tell me why a brand would need to pay somebody 80K a year to manage their Instagram. Yeah. It's such a good point. It's a I mean, ton it's of like, work. <laughs> this is what I used to do brand side and yeah. doing it for myself now. Yeah. Like that's how I got every job. Like, right. It, yeah. It's so true. So anyway, I just, I, I appreciate you being honest and like talking about your experience. And I think like, it's like clearly based on your blog and your following and all the stuff you've done, the partnerships, like you, you have so much success in your own right that I'm always telling you, you overly can discount sometimes because it's your normal. Yeah. And I think anytime something becomes your normal, it's so easy to dismiss. But also I kind of just always want to be 
very um, forthcoming when like I've been wrong. Like, cause I think that I really too misunderstood how it all works. And I don't know. It's just like, if my podcast can be good for anything, I just want to be like, yeah, this is something that I probably misjudged. And this is where I like hold strong and what I think people are doing wrong. And what I think people do wrong is get out of touch is show off their things. It's, um, needless displays of wealth. It's a lack of realization that people are going through harder stuff. It's uh, never telling people when you have a bad day. Mm-hmm. It's never acknowledging that you recognize that what you're doing isn't saving children. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know that. Yeah. But course. who is? Very few people. Yeah. And just, and like I've always said of this podcast, like, I think you can be smart and interesting and have impact on the world and have this really meaningful life, but it doesn't mean that you can't care that Stormy Webster's wardrobe is worth more than your net worth. Like, (laughs) it doesn't mean, like, I can't absorb and be entertained and enjoy all these things. Similarly, too, it doesn't mean that if your job is in that entertainment space, it's worth being trivialized. Um, No, but honestly, this was such, I don't know, I actually learned a lot from this conversation. I really did. Like there's, I, I think that you don't realize how people do not know what goes on on the inside. And I'm always telling you this and that's why I wanted you to have yeah. a podcast. But like, I, I think it's helpful to know that like, if you have a bad experience, you won't share it. Yeah. I think it's helpful to know that like brand deals are harder than they used to be just because you're more popular when there's more people in the game, like any economic situation with supply and demand, it doesn't mean you're making more. What if in your industry, you knew that every time somebody else was getting a raise or getting a better project or it's everything is in Whoa, public. You're so that, see, like, that's such, yeah. I like, I don't think of it that way, but I think that's maybe why I'm tortured right now is because when I like really try so hard to pitch someone like this meaningful segment and they go for a bachelor in paradise cast off yeah. that has half-assing it, copying, pasting a caption, it really ruins my day Yeah, because I put so much effort because yeah. I cared. Um, but yeah, I, I think that talking more about that as a person who's objectively successful helps people more than, you know, because if you have a hundred thousand followers, people are like, Jesus, like I, I've been tap dancing for three, four, five years on Instagram, which compared to you, isn't that long, but for 25,000 followers and like, um, it feels so slow. And when people yeah. tell you like what you're doing is so great, you're like, well, yeah, I but I mean it's like the highest I ever was on Instagram was 115,000 and that was around I think in Australia Australia last year last February. I'm at like 102 now. I'm like when am I going to get down to 101? I'm going to be under 100k soon. Like why have I lost 15,000 followers in the last year? Don't know. Yeah. And like, that's like so cool of you to admit. And you know what most people do is they buy them back. I know. And you won't do it. Or like, don't talk about it. I've never bought a single follower because at the end of the day, I know that my worth is not wrapped into whatever K. It's not. No, it's not. Like, I don't know. I'll just find something else to do if this doesn't work out. So. And I think you'll realize that like, I don't know. I just think there's something so much more appealing about a person that's like, if your worth is wrapped up into it, like, Hey, there's something so deeply sad about that. And I think we all will have our days where we think it matters more than it does. But yeah, it's like, there's also this whole thing of like people acting like influencers are ruining their lives because of the highlight reel. And it's like, go through and purge unfollow people who aren't doing da 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 for you. And I'm like, well, okay. But if also, if, if the people you follow are really impacting you that much, you have bigger fish to fry. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, like, and I get that Instagram can wear you down. I wrote a book about it, but also I'm, I realized over time too, I'm like, it was never them. Yeah. It, you know, it's like we, there's a balance of people needing to, to share valuable content. Yes. And there's a responsibility if you're getting paid for my eyeballs. Yes. But also I think we need to look inward and be like, what, you know, there's always a reason why somebody complaining about jet lag or being in the Maldives is bothering you. Yeah. And it's not because they're in the Maldives. It's because there's some aspect of your day or life you're not satisfied with. And it's the easiest thing to take it out on an influencers or the first person on your sure. feet. It's the morning paper. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. So it, it's just, it's this interesting world where I feel like we both kind of have one foot in each place mm-hmm. um, where we're not like at the top of our game, but we're not at the bottom. You're way b- more significant than I'll me, but I'm in like a different, I'm like in the entrepreneurial world. and where I hate so much of the stuff I see. And like, it's just this funny thing where, you know, you'll never be fully satisfied and you're never, you know, it might not be exactly what you think it should look like, but that doesn't make it not valuable. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep trying. And that doesn't mean that you won't pivot and evolve and make it into what it needs to be. And I think that this, when you're in the middle of that process of figuring out what it's ultimately destined to be, it's really painful because you feel yeah. like you're not moving and you feel like nothing's happening. But I think when you lose is when you're forcing it into what you think it should look like based on what other people do, because then you'll just be miserable. And when I've tried to do that, I've had years of misery. Yeah. And even though you and I both kind of feel like we don't know what we're <laughs> doing and we're not making a lot of progress. Um, and I think that's something you confessionally like talk about openly on your podcast too, which I love. It's like, at the very least, you hope you can be a proxy for a person that stuck to their guns and it paid off. Yeah. And if you don't have your integrity and if you can't at least say that, then what's it all for? Totally. So So that's why I love you and respect you and think you're doing great things. And I always want people to understand, like, I don't know, just I think it's cool to have a different perspective. Whenever I hear bloggers on podcasts, they're just like, let me tell you how I got to where I am. End of story. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, talk about like the ins and outs of your days. Yeah. And I also, sometimes I, I don't know if it's just to make myself feel better, but I think about a lot of times, you know, if I were, if this was 2016 or even 2017, when I remind myself that all businesses have downtimes, you know, like yes. no business starts from, you know, it's like this upward trajectory line. There are little wiggles in there, every single business. and. Hopefully it just speaks to how long I've been doing this, that the last two years have kind of been a little bit of a downturn and we're repivoting and figuring it out. And hopefully it goes up from here. But, you know, when other people are doing these interviews, maybe they only have had four years of experience and it's really easy to like, Like, this is great. Yeah. (laughs) Like if I would, if this was 2015 and I was saying that I'd be like, never pitched myself. I've all of these have been incoming. I've been so lucky, which was the truth. I mean, I worked my tail off mm-hmm. simultaneously mm-hmm. and like wasn't sleeping. And, you know, it's like, but, you know, it was things were like happening seemingly easy. Yeah. Um, right. But that's not life. And we, we've both said we will never take for granted. <laughs> I would have taken for granted. I, I took for granted. Oh, I did for my so salary, long. my income, everything. When I went straight from school to a job and then from my job to a business that was just an incremental salary on my existing salary. And it's like one of those things where I don't want people to think I'm complaining, but I, 
I can only hope that this like downswing of like, you know, the, the reason I stepped back from the thing that made me money is because it was making me miserable. Mm -hmm. And I know not everybody has that luxury and mm -hmm. I'm very aware of that. Uh, but I still do the bare minimum of what I need to get by. And until this past week, and I will tell you guys this because you're my friends, I had to ask my husband for money for the first time in nine years, eight years, nine years. Well, I didn't ask him for money before we were married. I have always been like an equal contributor until this past year. Uh, and because like the book and stuff took so much time. And like, that's, that was, and that sounds stupid. But that was horrible for me. Like, I, it was like a no, moment, it was mean, just a moment where I was like, I had to admit. Now. Yeah, I had to admit. Like, I'm. I. I told. I thought I was going to be at a place. I'm not. I promised you that if I took time off and like made a little bit less, that it. You know, by this time it would be yeah. X, and I can read all of the self help books in the world that'll tell me. You know, if you write a check to yourself like Jim <laughs> Carrey did, yeah, <laughs> you'll see it. And and it doesn't mean that I don't believe in all of that because I think it comes with time and effort, but, um, I think that I just maybe was always being too stubborn to admit, to fully admit a downswing, to fully oh. accept when it's not going well. That's, I mean, that's how I like ended up in a place where I was like moving out of my apartment. I mean, I right. just kept, because how volatile or cyclical it is, like, you know, I could have not had a contract come in and six weeks. And then I get one that makes up for the six weeks. Yeah. And so you'd never know what's around the corner because one email could like change your life yeah. <laughs> essentially. Right. Or, Which is why the inbox refresh is thrilling and soul sucking. Yeah. Like I always say, I look in my junk folder in case it's they're my big yeah. break. <laughs> Who so else checks though. their junk mail? I do. do you check your junk mail? <laughs> Just in case. That's so, it's so bleak. Um, <laughs> well, it's like on Shark Tank, these businesses are like, yeah, so I put everything in inventory and couldn't sell anything. And I have this horrible situation where I lost all my family's money. I took out money from my 401k. Da, da, da. And like those people's stories are like, wow, yeah. you almost glamorize totally. the, the hardship. And like what's annoying is like, you know, for a creative or a content creator, somebody you'll you can be like okay we'll just go back to work like sorry your creative venture didn't work out mm -hmm. but the, the reality is it's brave and it's ballsy to try to do your own thing and to be on your own and not everyone's made for it and the fact that we both made it this far i think speaks to speaks to some element of resilience or hopefully like <laughs> unique factor that will hopefully play out in a different way than we maybe think but like i always say like i'm in the i am praying that i'm in the middle of my dinner party anecdote Oh, <laughs> I will look back on this time and be like, I was podcasting like in between tears, like <laughs> in, a, in a like delirious state of yeah. mind where, yeah, like I live in a place that like cause my husband has a job. But like, if you think that every ounce of my pride isn't wrapped up in. Yeah, contributing in my income and a job like it's very weird to not be making money, not because you don't want to be. It's like losing your job. Yeah. It's like if your spouse loses your job, think of that energy drain. <laughs> it, you know, just because you can keep a roof over their head doesn't mean they want to be in that position. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. So you, you, people can't be. Yeah, it's, it's like an interesting thing where I, I do feel entitled to, you know, admit that this is in my realm of life and what I've experienced. This is hard for me. Just like having to move home is hard for you. 
I think too, and we'll wrap up in a second, but like, I think where Jessica and I both connected is that like, it's a, it's a maddening job for people that are borderline perfectionists in in a sense of like, I, I couldn't give more F's. I couldn't be a person that has higher standards for yeah. myself and for couldn't be hard trying harder or I couldn't working be harder, trying harder than I am right now. Right. And it's just not working. And in college <laughs> you get grades. Yeah. In a corporate job, you still get paid and you'll probably get promoted. But Here, when there's nobody else to do your own thing and you're the one essentially making it crash and burn and you could also be driving it success, but you don't know how, it's not a great bed to lie in at night. <laughs> This is like the conversation we had the other night when you're like, you're not the person to be talking to about like, sometimes you need to play devil's advocate. Right. Of like yeah. this conversation. It's like, sorry, if you want to start your own business, right. Stay at your job. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm not always the best person to come to for inspiration. And I feel like sometimes I'm like crying. We're bo- it's almost like, <laughs> I feel like there's been so many like dinners we've had where I feel like I'm having like a really hard time. And I feel like you're able to like be that source of inspiration for me. And I feel like there's been times where you've been like having a rougher day than I have. And I'm able to like be this like positive light, even though I don't know where it's coming from, but then there are times, especially lately that we're just like down in there together. (laughs) It's not good. No, it's it's Misery like, loves company. they really, they really do. And I feel like fortunately we're good enough friends now. We're like, if we weren't as close, I would have left half of our meals being like, wow, I'm a drag. Like, you know, relax Eeyore, Debbie Downer. Like what, what are you doing? You need to like snap out of it. And even Greg sometimes is like, I know you want to be honest, but sometimes you need to paint a better picture or else what are people going to think? And I'm like, I know. And I have to be careful because I just can't really fake it. I'm the exact same way. I have like no poker face. Yeah. And you don't want to seem negative, but like when it's not going great, it's not going great. But I think what's been helpful about being our friendship, especially is like staying connected to the spiritual element of like, even though things aren't great now, we can both acknowledge that our entire career and past and trajectory thus far everything has made so much sense yeah, looking and back looking back and i don't actually don't really regret anything no even still now i know same. i wouldn't change anything same because without like my misery I wouldn't have my book without yours you wouldn't have gone to remote year yeah i wouldn't have probably started a podcast or be from a different place like not that that's made any difference in my life but it's but it will because it's 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 gonna add a lot to your reader base and your audience bases yeah and it already just even in like a terms of connecting like we've we're talking about in person last week like it, it's been just so even just the people that have reached out and been like just because you like on instagram or your podcast talk about like going to therapy like i've now I'm um, going to start seeing my therapist again or like any way to like, like, again, we're not saving children, yeah. but the, if you can just help somebody have a little bit of an easier time in life because life is freaking hard. Yeah. Like I, I'm all for it. And if that's like sharing the struggles and like being vulnerable and like putting your humility aside or whatever. Yeah. Right. I agree. And like, you know, you always hear like celebrities and it seems cliche, like if I can help one person and it's like, Honestly, it's true though. Like on some days when like you, it's, it's kind of like, you know, think of like Heather McMahon, McMahon stories. Like 
you can be having a bad day and she'll make you laugh so hard. And it's just like a pleasant interaction, even if it's fleeting, even if I go right back into my bad mood. Totally. Like, thank God for people that just make you laugh. But she's a great example of if you can be that, like, you know, ray of light, that burst of joy in an otherwise soul-sucking feed, if if you are finding it vapid, if you're finding it de-energizing and draining, find those people that make you laugh. And, like, for the people that are like, I love your feed because I don't feel bad about myself afterward because it's mindless. And, like, I'm not offended by that. I actually think I take great pride in being a source of joy for people no matter how fleeting it is. And, like... Yeah, people like her remind me there's always space. Like she came out of nowhere. Yeah. And she could have been like, there's no point in storing it's saturated. There's always room, there's always space. And like she is just so herself. And like I suddenly want to go to the Weimar Villa. (laughs) I think that we should take like, you know, we know we've made it win our like Turks trip. Yeah, I've also noticed in the past week, I don't know if you have, that everybody in the front the top of my stories is somebody random. Random. Yeah, and, they just redid something. And if I, I've swiped away, I'm like, have I even followed this person? Like, don't know who you are. Don't have time to like, when did I start following you? So I swipe away like to the right, because if you swipe away from somebody's story, it's supposed to put them down your yeah. thing with the algorithm. Nope. nope. Every day it's still up there. I'm like, I don't want to see this. Maybe they're forcing you and into an unfollow. unfollow people. I know. Same. I've been I don't want them there. countless people this week. See, it's impossible. Slow and steady decline. That's going to be my like new tagline. And that's why you have to be consistent. Because if, 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 if you're consistent, people look for you. They'll come look for your story. Yeah. I look for Heather's story. Oh, I look same. for my friends. I look for you. I look for like a select group of people that I like and keep tabs on and like to lurk. Exes. No. <laughs> yeah. In my case. <laughs> right. I know. If I weren't like such an old lady. I, sometimes when I see like an ex watch my story... It's like, you know, Q Toby Keith's, how do you like me now? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like doing nothing. (laughs) They're watching me talk to myself on my phone about Taylor Swift. (laughs) 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 Who's winning? Not clear. (laughs) So true. You know the drill. Okay. We're going to hop on Jessica's podcast. Thank you so much for coming and chatting. This was hilarious and fun. fun. Anytime. And yeah, you'll definitely have to be back because we still need to talk about music festivals. We didn't get through a lot. And you of still need lives. to tell me why you like music that doesn't have words. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't get it. No lyrics, no listening for me. And uh, <laughs> you love Kygo. You love the D, you love DJs, yeah. EDM, all that. Kygo has a Ky- lot of words. He has some words. Yeah, he has true. A- Yes, he, 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 he has, has yeah. What is that song I like? Stargazing, because it yeah. has to do with stars. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> um, so we have, like, so much more to talk about. And we're actually working on something together that we'll talk about later. And I don't mean to tease the secret project, but, like, we are kind of working on a secret project. I so. think I've teased it before and probably, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, you have before. intermittently. Yeah. But not with, but not that it's, like, with me. Oh, yeah. If you're in the Facebook group, you probably have an idea, because I, like, I'm always, like, cash polling you guys. <laughs> I'm like, do you mind if I data collect while we're here? And it's like, what's your problem? But yeah. So anyway, more to come on that. She'll be back on. Where can people find you? On Instagram. It's just my name at Jessica Rose Sturdy, S-T-U-R-D-Y. And on my website, it's bowsandsequins.com. And my podcast is Along for the Ride. And that's on probably the same place as you're listening to this right now. Well, I'll probably do a different outro. Maybe I'll play Kygo for you. <laughs> it's always a winner. Music right. with words. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye. Hi from post-production.
to give you a quick TS7 update and uh, review some of my last minute predictions. So what the latest is, is that she showed up at that mural that we basically knew was hers in Nashville, posed in front of it, looked like the wings were hers. We, we saw the 13 hearts. We figured this much, but I didn't think she was going to show. There was like hours of buildup. She said that they, in an Instagram story, that the mural is about the song and about the new music. So it didn't say, she didn't say about the album. So I'm thinking it's just a single. I hope we get a video. I assume that's what the imagery is from, but it sounds like it's a single and it sounds like, like, well, I'm about to put in a recording I recorded earlier of my predictions about TS7. And I mentioned that I feel like it's um, only like the Lisa Frank stuff is just a single. And then the rest of the album's like a lot more muted. So all the craziness we're seeing right now is kind of about this first, maybe, you know, childhood home reflections adjacent single. So anyway, oh, I've missed a huge point is that the mural says me, M-E exclamation point. So yeah, I like it kind of ties into what we were thinking with her reflecting and it being about her life and who she is, who she really is. Reputation was like this darker side, you know, who people like think I am. And hopefully this is her stepping out into the daylight and letting it go. And who knows what the butterflies mean. But uh, this is me going through my step into the daylight and let it go rip off Amazon notebook that I've been keeping all my TS7 ideas in because, you know, I too am 13. And uh, I recorded it earlier. So obviously now we know the me thing, but just keep that in mind. You can skip to the end if you uh, don't care about Taylor Swift. I'm going to laugh if a lot of Jessica's followers share her interest because she's just not really into pop music and she likes more you know, cool music, I'd say. She goes to festivals. Like, she's so much cooler than me, and she can tolerate things that don't have lyrics. I, on the other hand, I barely listen to the music and, like, pretty much just read lyric books, like, without the melody behind it. Um, So that's why I like Taylor Swift. Um, But anyway, yeah, so this is me talking about it earlier. Then I kind of go back to post-production. Sorry for the confusion. Not too much longer. Thank you for staying with me for these two hours. My list that I have in my Step Into the Daylight and Let It Go um, notebook of potential titles is uh, uh, Better Days, Rain or Shine, 13 Lessons, Escape, Irish, Flashbacks, All That Glitters, um, oh yeah, Kaleidoscope, Illusions, Something with Daylight. I still don't really, I think Metamorphosis seems too obvious because it was Hilary Duff's iconic album and Taylor Swift's roughly my age. And like, I know that she really jammed out to come clean who didn't. Oh my God, clean. What if it's just clean? Do you think she got the idea for clean from Hilary Duff, let the rain fall down and wake my dreams? Um, And then, you know, of course we have, uh, what I'm thinking is that the the florals the light breezy aesthetic that that is going to be like the overarching look but this lisa frank cole's 2001 kind of gaudy hot pink butterflies mermaids uh you know hearts and stars and rainbows like all of like the intensity of that that's very casey musgraves which like are they going to collab because they their feeds look the exact same i don't know all of that is more centered on her first single and it being something about childhood and like what she thought life would be like wearing suits and how she used to ride her bike and like dream of things. And she went home and 
you know, how she felt about her past 30 years. Oh, yeah. Reflections is also a title I was kind of thinking about. Some people said redemption. Some I mean, it's just like I'm like listing off everything I've ever thought in my entire life. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see if the album is very reflective of her, her time over the years. Austin had posted an Instagram, her brother, last fall. It was just like of a car, but it said the title was Better Days. And on her 26 question, the L interview, when she talks about um, how she likes to make countdowns for things and she likes to look forward. She says something like, let me just read it. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed in the now and it's good to get some perspective that life will always go on to better things. So I don't know, perspective, hologram, better things, better days. I thought I like the idea of better days um, because it's kind of like you look back in, in every part of your life. You look back with such rose colored glasses, which would be another great album title name and think that they were the better days. And then you look forward and you're hoping for better days. But why do we have so much trouble thinking that what we're doing right now is our best day? You know what I mean? And um, and the 25th question, which today is the 25th. And as I announced this, people are thinking she's about to do something in front of the butterfly mural in Nashville. Adjacent to the NFL draft, which is just very not on brand. But I mean, what the hell do I know? That butterfly is definitely about her. Um, The 25th question, she says, people ask me, what are you going to write about if you ever get happy? And then the last sentence is finding happiness and inspiration at the same time has been really cool. So part of me is like, oh, is it cool? Like, you know. What she thought was cool in uh, middle school was like, you know, butterfly clips and rainbows and mermaids. Is the sky cool? Is it cool blue, like red? Cool. It's kind of like a warm, warm versus cool colors. I don't know, guys. I'm just rambling. It could be literally anything. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what it is. I'm, I hope it's an album announcement, but I, it, it, at the very least, I need a single video. Um, and I'm so excited to hear what it is. And tomorrow I'm going to be tracing back like, okay, what were the clues and what did we miss and where were we right? Probably not at all. It's really the most wonderful time of the year. Oh yeah. And speaking of Christmas, the Joseph Kahn uh, photo, I feel like it might've been planted. It was like in, in a neighborhood with Christmas decorations and Taylor loves Christmas and grew up on a Christmas tree farm. And given that she talked about she, she had a childhood heroes theme party and that she said, take me home on July 13th, seven thirteen of last year. And she was at her hometown in Wyoming, Pennsylvania on the Christmas tree farm. She took her friends there. She posted a photo in her childhood bedroom with a quote from what was, is it the best, not the best day, never grow up. Um, and she talks about nostalgia so much in her first L article. And then her second one is like kind of all these reflections going back and thinking about herself as a kid and the very like the 30th one the very last one's about how she was hard on herself and she can't be you know encumbered by her biggest fears and to step into the daylight and let it go I mean if that's I feel like that's too obvious but it's also like I love the idea of the an album called daylight now we're back in post-production <laughs> it's like is that was that important in certain the episode like is that adding any value whatsoever um but the other thing with me that I was thinking about is that the, she had three different Instagram posts over the past six months, and she put in all caps three things. Begin, which was on the Scrabble post, which was turned out to be true because she posted, you know, let the games begin playing Scrabble and then said the 103, that was 103 days from it, National Scrabble Day, which 
It was what people thought when she initially posted it. And then another, I don't, it's a post about like a rain show. Again, my like thoughts about like rain or shine or something with weather. And then um, she put me underneath a caption of her in the yellow dress on the cover of the Elle magazine shoot, which that should have been a dead ringer, but it seemed too simple. So what are you going to do? It's me exclamation point. So looking forward to seeing what the deal is, guys. But anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Thanks again to Jessica. Follow all of her stuff along for the ride podcast, Jessica Rose Dirty. And follow me at Be There in Five, uh, patreon.com slash be there in five to support the podcast. Again, putting up fun bonus episodes in the coming days and weeks. And uh, just, you know, your contribution helps support us while we're working out the advertiser and ad network thing. And uh, the other way you can support me is to buy my book, Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. And it's a children's parody book for adults that jokes about influence and kind of imagines if uh, nursery rhyme characters had Instagram. So at Mary had a little scam as an MLM at Little Miss Muffet is hawking curds and whey protein. It's really cute, really fun coffee table book. It's a hit at baby showers, especially. And uh, yeah, I'm just like trying to sell as many books as possible so I can get more published and do more fun, creative stuff. So then the next time we do one of these podcasts, I can tell you about all the great stuff we have going on. (laughs) Anyway. All right. As always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Star